Those of you who go to church here know that I'm always throwing out Psalm 139 because when David wrote it, he made a statement in the middle of it that said, every day ordained for me was written down in your book before even one of them came to pass. It wasn't a statement that said I don't have a choice. It's not a statement that says that I can't have a free will. It was a statement that said that God exists outside of what you and I understand to be time and therefore he knows the decisions we're going to make because my God is omnipresent. My God is omniscient. My God is all-knowing and everywhere at the same time. He's in my yesterday, he's in my tomorrow, he's in the depth, he's in the height. David said there's no place that I can go to run from God and so that gives me cause to trust him. So I can trust him. I can trust my God. I cannot trust my God to be my step and fetch it person. I cannot uh, trust my God to be my refrigerator and I just have to open him up and get whatever I want. I cannot trust my God to be a slot machine or a lottery or I can trust my God to be the king of the universe. And I can trust that even now he's working on my behalf. All the days ordained for you were written down in his book. It's no accident that you're in here right now at this time. And if you can lay hold of that, then what I want to share with you, God knew you needed to hear before you got here. You came for a baptism. You came for a pulse. You came for screaming worship. <laughs> you came for the presence of the Holy Spirit to fall on your heart and remind you of how much God loves you. You came but you came at his beck and call and you didn't even know it. And I want to show that to you because when David said it in Psalm 139, let me share it with you in a scripture in the book of Ezra, chapter 1. The scripture says, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be filled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all of his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth the Lord God of heaven has given to me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is among you of all his people? May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. And whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let that man, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold and goods and livestock, besides the free will offering for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. Then the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, with all those whose spirits the Lord had moved, arose to go up and build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. And you might say, well, there's a story. There's a story in Ezra as he shares it with you and I, telling us what the king of Persia says. Now you need to understand that the king of Persia is a pagan. He is a pagan. He is very respectful of the gods of the places where he has conquered the people. But that is not his god per se. But he has interacted in different situations up to this point, and he has come to this point in Ezra, I think it's about 500 years before Christ, where he is saying, I am now, because these people, these Israelites, these Jews, are in captivity to him. And he is being moved by the Spirit of God himself. God Almighty has said, Cyrus, I want you basically to let my people go back to Jerusalem where they will rebuild my temple and I want you to let them pay for it as well. And the story unfolds in an incredible way. 
It just absolutely unfolds incredibly. Those of you that have been called and belong to the temple and can build the temple, Cyrus says, you just move right along back to Jerusalem. You are free. Go back to Jerusalem. You get to build it. Those of you that are going to stay here because you like your houses, you like your trades, you like what you've got going on, you send them money because they're going to need to build this and they're going to need gold and silver and all of these things that are going to need to take place. And this story goes on. But that's not what I want to look at today. What I want to look at today is that God moved the heart of a pagan king to do his will and set his people free to rebuild his temple in Jerusalem. And then he moved the hearts of his people to give and give and give, both according to the law and sacrificially, so that this temple could be built. And it's an amazing thing. And when we say, well, God knows and has ordained all of these days for my life, with King David, when we say that from Psalm 139, we can see that God even did that in, in Ezra, in Ezra's day with King Cyrus. Because here's the funny thing. God planned this very event 175 years before it took place. Not only did he plan it 175 years before it took place, he actually told his prophet Isaiah that it was going to come and that the guy's name would be Cyrus, and he was going to command his people to go up and rebuild the temple. Look what it says in Isaiah 44. Who says of Cyrus, this is God who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd. God saying, I'm going to take this pagan guy, and this pagan guy is going to work at my beck and call, whether he knows it or not. He shall perform all my pleasure, and he will say to Jerusalem, you will be built. And he will say to the, temp- uh, to the temple, your foundation shall be laid. 175 years before there was a Cyrus who was in charge of the Babylonians who had conquered the Israelites, God told Isaiah, hey, there's going to be a guy in about 175 years, and his name is going to be Cyrus. Look what God did. 175 years after Isaiah said that, he moves in the heart, Ezra says. He moves in the heart of a pagan king and causes him to do exactly what Jeremiah and Isaiah said would happen. Absolutely crazy. This isn't just history unfolding in front of your face. This is the hand of God Almighty forming your life. You can trust Him. This is God putting His finger right down into your existence. When you're wondering if He knows you're there. This would be the same, if you don't mind, this would be the same as if the year that Mount Vesuvius blew up, you familiar with that uh, incident? It's an incident, it was an episode was an episode the earth had an episode had a massive heart attack blew up a mountain covered a nation and dismissed annihilated a whole people group it would be the same as if that same year somebody came forward from that very incident and said you know what in 175 years joe wood is going to plant a church called Vineyard in a place called Richmond, Kentucky. 
And they're going to proclaim the love of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Does that help you understand how ridiculous this has to be? And it can only be ascribed to God. Because it would be the same as if when that mountain blew up, somebody said, in 175 years, Joe Wood's going to do this. Blew up in what, 1834? And here it is, 2018. It would be the same as that happening and us being here today. Can you imagine that seriously? God moved the spirit of a pagan to do his bidding. He never knew when he was born that he was born to be used of God. God moved the spirits of his children. Not did he just move the spirit inside of Cyrus. He then moved the spirit of his children to do his bidding and go back and rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. These people were looking for a move of God. And then God ushered in the end of the age of captivity for them when he began to free them and give them a place to go home to. He set his people free. For God to plan that far ahead as he did, he was thinking of you. When Mount Vesuvius blew up, God wanted you inside the walls of this church. God wanted you baptized today when Mount Vesuvius blew up. (laughs) He already had a plan. He was already beginning to say, you know what? This is what Joe's going to share with them. If he can do that for us, imagine what he can do for you. Not because he's your servant, though he served you, but because he's your king and he deserves to be honored by you. What does that mean for you and I? I believe that means that God sees you. When you think that God does not see you, when you think that he doesn't see what's going on when you're sinning against him, but more than that, when you think that he doesn't see what you're going through because it's a struggle, when you wonder if he sees the hurt and the pain in your heart, when you wonder if he sees you're about to lose your job, when, he, when you wonder if he sees that the economy is going to pot, when you wonder if he understands which political party is in power, when you wonder if he's aware of the stock market because that's where you've put your trust, I'm telling you right now, God sees you. When you're wondering what to do with that wayward child and not knowing how to interact with those enemies that are coming against you, God sees you. I believe that. I believe that God makes plans for us to do good works. I believe that he made plans long, long ago for you and I to take groceries to people on this day. I believe that he knew somebody was going to open that door. I believe that he knew kids needed to pray as well. I believe that he knew you needed to lead them in filling those baskets and have conversations with them about why we do this. I believe he knew that. Because he wanted us to do good works. Because he wants us to pray. He wants us to tithe. He wants us to build. He wants us to love. He wants us to heal. He wants us to tell. And he wants us to make disciples. I believe that. And as a result of that, I believe that God is trustworthy. I believe that God is trustworthy. Will you take God at his word according to the word? and fit it into your life into that word, or will you bend that word to fit your life? 
Are you going to live your life God's way and go God's way, or are you going to live your life your way? You know, in, uh, in 1993, um, so basically in 1990, when God called me into the ministry, my, my wife and I prayed and prayed and prayed about it. But I'll never forget her, forget her saying this one thing, but he's going to make us go to Africa. And I do not want to go to Africa. I, on the other hand, thought, this will be great. Lions, tigers, and bears, this is going to be awesome. Maybe we'll go to Africa. And I asked her, what's your problem with Africa? She said, they have snakes. We have a two-headed copperhead at Salado. I mean, come on. That thing's going to bite you twice when it bites you once. You don't have to leave this continent to find snakes. But you know, there are things in our lives, just like there might have been in her life, that make you say, but that doesn't make sense for me to do that. And yet, Jesus lived his ministry out, inviting people, and you've heard me say this over and over again, inviting people to do ridiculous things so that they could see miraculous things happen in their lives. What is it going to take or what do you need in order for you to trust God today? What do you need? What is it that you think that God is getting wrong in your life? I spent some time praying today and just thinking about you and who would be here and what would be going on and just asking the Holy Spirit. No, Holy Spirit, I want a word. I want a word. I want a word for whoever's going to be sitting on that audience. I want a word for people that are coming in that want to feel the pulse. The pulse of God. And I believe that he said, okay. So let me share this with you. I don't know who you are that's in here, but I have this written down as something that I'm supposed to share with you from the Lord. I haven't forgotten you I can only assume that means that you're in here and you feel like God's forgotten about you that God's forgotten about your circumstance that God's forgotten your situation that maybe he's not even looking your way and 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 the Lord said just write that down somebody in here needs Jesus to say to them I have not forgotten you And so maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, wow, that's a good word. It's not for me. Okay. I'm good with that. Let me share this with you. Because I kept praying and I said, Lord, maybe that's not everybody. He said, it's not. So I'm going to stick this out there for you. Listen to the Lord say, I'm working on it, so stop worrying about it. I'm working on it. So stop worrying about it. Is that something your Holy Excuse me, is that something the Spirit inside of you gets a hold of and says, wow, that's straight up and serious. I haven't forgotten you. Hear the Lord, not Joe Wood. I haven't forgotten you. Hear the Lord. I'm working on it, so stop worrying about it. 
That means, trust me. That's why I started with that whole, if God knew 175 years ago when there was a mountain blowing up, you'd be sitting in this room, and he ordained it according to Psalm 139. I'm just asking you to trust him. That's all I'm asking. You say, well, I don't know about that. That's great for somebody. Let me share one more with you. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. You know what that means? That means God is saying, I know that you're going through a tough time right now. I know it feels difficult. Can I back up a week? I know it feels like the valley of the shadow of death, but I am with you. It's only going to last a little time. But the joy is going to come in the morning. That means the, the joy is coming just like the sunshine is coming. This will not last. Whatever it is you're going through that you feel like it's too much, you're going to get through it. You're going to get out the other side. Just go down through it one more time while the prayer team comes up here. Can I have the prayer team up here? If you're not crying and bawling your eyes out. If you need prayer, that's okay. You sit down and we'll pray for you too. We will. I believe you're in here to feel the pulse of God. I believe you're in here to feel the heartbeat of God. I believe you're in here because you want God to touch your heart like He touches other people's hearts. And I would pray that one of these might reach in and get a hold of you. Listen to the Lord say, I haven't forgotten you. Oh, you're, you're in this room. He put you here. You just didn't know it. So clearly he hasn't forgotten you. You know why? Because he loves you. He really loves you. I'm working on it. So stop worrying about it. I'm working on it. Hear the Lord. I'm working on it. So stop worrying about it. Trust him when it doesn't make sense. Trust him. And then finally, it feels dark right now. But the morning comes every single time. The morning comes every single time. And that's for you. Now let me ask you this. Can we pray for you? That's why they got up here. Can we pray for you? Is one of those three things for you personally? Is one of those three things so real to you that you can't stand it right now? You just need to get, just, you might as well just come on up here and let's just start moving through this, okay? Clearly God is already moving in your heart. Just come on up here. Okay? There you go. My, why walk into the presence of God if you don't want the presence of God to do something to you? It's time for the Lord God to do what the Lord God does and for us to get out of His way and let Him be God. This isn't a time for you guys to bow up and pretend that you've got it all together. I know better. You're in my office. You're in my heart. 
This is a time for you to get what you were looking for when you walked in here tonight. This is a time for heaven to touch your heart. If you see somebody up here that you're familiar with, I just want to invite you to pray for them. Just pray for them. Our prayers aren't more powerful than yours if you walk with Christ. Just pray for them up here. Let's let God move in their hearts. Just pray for them. Father, as we come before you, we believe, Lord. We believe that you want to move in the hearts of your children. We believe that you want to move in the hearts of all of us, God. We believe that none of us are perfect. We believe John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. We believe the word that says that if we confess our sins, Lord, to one another, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all the unrighteousness that we've been a part of. We recognize that you are God and that holy conviction leads to repentance and repentance leads to cleansing and cleansing leads to a continued right relationship with you. So we say, come Holy Spirit. Even so, O Lord God, come Holy Spirit. There are people here to pray for you. There are people here to pray for you. There are people here for you to pray for. To whom shall we go, Lord? We say with Peter, you alone hold the words of life. We have nothing. We have stuff. We have things, Lord. Sometimes these things weigh us down and threaten to kill us and we don't even know it. But we know that we have you, God. Seated at the right hand of the throne of grace, interceding on our behalf. Because we have love. Because we have mercy because we need it Lord because we have sin it does not change our standing in the family but you call us out because you love us you call us out because you want us to have the life that you have planned for us and so we pray for these people Lord overwhelm them God Cover them over like a flood, God, as we prayed. Let your glory come in like a flood, God. Let your joy restore to us that which we lost because the darkness crashed into our lives. We were created to love God, but we were created to give love, not to get love. But Father, we know that when we give love, we get love, but we can't give it for that purpose. So use us as a vehicle, Lord God. Use us as a conduit. Cleanse us from our unrighteousness, God, because you are Lord. We are not. We are just your children. We are making ourselves available to you tonight, God. We just invite you to change who we are. God, we cannot go back out into that dark world and be who we were. 
We have loved ones going to hell, Lord. We have loved ones being oppressed by the enemy. We have loved ones looking for hope in all the wrong places, God. Our community is overrun by opioids. <laughs> Our families are losing children. And we need to pray, God. We say, come, Lord, and give us power. We say, come, Lord, and make us aware of the strength that we need. We say, come, Lord. Even now, we say, come, Lord. God, if the trumpet's not going to blow because there's still work to do, then we say, give us the power and the unction to do the work. Kick us out of our couches. Kick us out of our chairs. Kick us out of our houses, Lord. Get us in the game. Help us to slay giants, not just the ones in our lives, God. The ones that are threatening the people that we love. Give us your power. Give us your power. Fall gently, God, like a spring rain as we pray. Because we don't pray begging for you to do this. We command it with the authority of the name of Jesus. Because you left us to do these things and finish this work, Lord. To be moved by you, God. So move these people. Move these people here too, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit.